Shalom Chavarim. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. We are here to help Christians make sense of the roots of their faith so that they might go out and help the Jewish people make sense of who Jesus is. My name is Matt, and I'm here with my dad. Say hello. Hi there. I'm dad. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And when I say I'm here with you, uh, I'm not really here with you. Uh, We are miles and miles apart. Yeah, about 2,200 miles. Yeah, you're on the West Coast uh, visiting some family for the weekend. and I, th- I think that's the, well, never mind. <laughs> Are we going to need to edit that out already? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, well, if we're going to edit it out, I might as well say it. I'm on the left coast. <laughs> there you go, the left coast. Some people say West Coast, best coast. Um, but we kind of like it here in uh, Kentucky. But uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to continue in this series that we've started, and we're calling it the Jewish Roots of the Early Church. And we're calling it the Jewish Roots of the Early Church. We need to actually kind of put that, uh, highlight that, and say that because a lot of times people don't really realize that the people who were there in the early church days during these days of what we call Pentecost were actually. Jews. Right. It's another Jewish holiday. That's right. We have many of these. And so what we want to do is be able to restore uh, the roots and the Jewishness of that. And so today uh, we've been building up the last couple of weeks, but today we're actually going to be hitting on Acts chapter two. Um, And this is uh, Shavuot or Pentecost, also known as the Feast of Weeks. But before that, we have to do one thing. What is that? I think we need to take a little trip back to the Catskills. And what, what does that mean? Oh, well, Catskills was the great entertainment center in the Adirondack Mountains, upstate New York, where Jewish people went and the Jewish comedians entertained for decades. <laughs> yeah, lots of jokes. My mom and dad went on their honeymoon in the Catskills. Oh, did they? Did they go to yeah. a, a comedy show? Yeah, I'm sure they did. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fun. All right. Well, I have a joke for you. Ready? Okay. Let's have it. All right. And I haven't even told you this. So you're going to, I don't even think you've heard of this, but here we go. Uh, The synagogue is having a board meeting and uh, there's a new business there. Uh, There's a facilities chair and they say that there is a problem. The problem is there's a mouse infestation in the sanctuary. Now, the vice president, he knows a pest control company that will get them to humanely capture the mice and remove them. It has to be humane, right? So at the next board meeting, they ask if the mice are gone. And the facilities chair says that the pest control company captured all the mice. But when they released them into the field across the street, what do you think happened? They multiplied? No, no, no. The mice came back. They just crossed the street and they came back. Yeah, not that hard. So the vice president says that he's going to have to have the pest control company come back and humanely release the mice far away so that the problem will be gone. So at the next board meeting, the topic comes back up for discussion. And this is what board meetings do, right? They, you gotta, you gotta talk about these little things here. So it comes back up for discussion and the facilities chair says that the pest control company captured the mice, dropped them off 20 miles away. And yet the mice returned to the synagogue. What to do? Yeah. What do you do with that? The rabbi says, I will take care of the problem. At the next board meeting, the facilities chair says that the mice have been gone and the problem is now resolved. Well, how did vice, he do it? Yeah. The vice president, he asks the rabbi, how did you manage to get rid of the mice humanely 
without harming them. And they did not return. How did you do that? The rabbi said, it was easy. My experience here is that when I bar mitzvah anyone, they never return to the synagogue. So I bar mitzvah the right, the mice. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, okay. I love it. All right. There's, there's a little uh, thought that goes into that. Uh, and what is the thought? Yeah. Well, that uh, after the bar mitzvah, nobody ever comes back. Yeah. If you ask most rabbis, they say, we don't ever see the people. They show up when the kids turn 13 and then they want to get the bar mitzvah. And then right after that, you never see them again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. OK. All right. Yeah, you got to try. We got to hit them. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, we are jumping into uh, the book of Acts and we are looking at chapter two. And uh, just give us a quick review of where we've been at over the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about this Jewish mindset. Yeah. Um, well, the, this is uh, actually, this is post-resurrection of the Messiah. And uh, we're, we're heading through, if I, if I can just kind of give a thread as to where we're going, we're, we're going through what takes place in this early development of the church in Acts chapter two. And, you know, the, uh, for, for this kind of thing for, for myself was really foreign territory and it might be for, well, a lot of people, uh, Jewish or Gentile. Uh, but let, let me just say that, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a traditional Jewish home. My grandparents were Jewish from Eastern Europe, came to the United States, settled in Brooklyn. My parents were born there. I was born there. And I, I never knew anything about this new covenant that we are living under. It's uh, the fact that it is a Jewish covenant with a Jewish Messiah. And, you know, for me, it was the best kept secret in the world. And I think that the Jewish people don't understand it. And I think many Gentile Christians don't understand it uh, either. But there, there came a time uh, when it was put to me and I needed to understand it. And one of the reasons I think that we don't understand it is that, uh, you know, the, the problem is that Israel and the church have a very troubled past. We have a great future ahead of us. But uh, we we have had, for the most part of 2000 years, uh, not a very good, uh, not a very good history. Well, we and, have a we have a friend uh, named Michael Brown who has written a lot of books. But one of those books is Our Hands Are Stained with Blood. And he recounts the history between the Jewish people and the church at large and shows where whether is anti-Semitism actually coming from the church uh, long history of of what that looks like, or even just the persecution of the Jewish people, uh, trying to make the Jewish people into Christians to give up their Jewishness so that they could follow Jesus. And I think the differentiator for us is that we believe that we can follow Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah of Nazareth, and still maintain our Jewishness. That whole idea has hurt, you know, efforts of Jewish ministry. I remember when I first became a believer, I had Christians on one side and pulling me over there and saying, oh, you believe in Jesus now. Now you're a Christian. And I say, no, no, no. Wait a minute. I'm still Jewish. And then I had my Jewish people on the other side saying, oh, you believe that? OK, you go over there. You're a Christian. And I'd say to them, no, I'm still Jewish, you know. Right. And so 
that's kind of what we want to address in this, uh, because, you know, in, in our community, uh, not believing in Jesus is a part of the Jewish soul. You know, uh, when you become a believer, it's like committing ethnic suicide. And so once I started really investigating the scriptures, I found that this whole thing is very, uh, very Jewish. And in spite of the fact that we have had a troubled past with the church, uh, we can look forward to some really tremendous times. And I spend a lot of time sharing this when I'm out in churches and speaking to people about first century uh, life from a Jewish perspective, because I want believers to be equipped and able to share the gospel in a Jewish context. So it'll make sense more so to Jewish people. And so as we are making our way through this, uh, going through Acts chapter two and three and four, we want to go all the way to Acts chapter 10, just to give you an idea and ask the question, because it all seems very Jewish as we're going through here, but how in the world does a Gentile get saved? Yeah, that's and really the so, question. And the question that we have today when people find out well, you're Jewish, but you believe in Jesus. I mean, this it comes up you know, weekly for me. People are always confused by that. Well, that was not the question you know, 2000 years ago it was how or can even a Gentile be saved? Yeah. And, uh, you know, by the time we're done, uh, you know, we're hoping that you ask the question, you know, and or make the statement. I, you know, I never thought of it that way. And uh, that's exactly what we want you to do, uh, because when when I came across the gospel uh, at 26 years old, you know, I looked at it and I said, wow, I never realized this. I never thought of it that way. But the whole thing looks very Jewish. And so we get to what looks like a Christian holiday, Pentecost, but it is really a Jewish feast day, the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot, and something tremendous happened at that time. All right, so let's get into it. You want to start Acts chapter 2, verse 1? Acts, Acts chapter 2 is where we are, and we look at it right away in, uh, in the first verse. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house, the entire house <clears throat> where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, and it rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the spirit gave them utterance. You know, what's interesting is that uh, as we go through that chapter, we find that there are Jewish people there from 16 different countries, and they're all hearing this news about God and the gospel in their own language. It's just really amazing as to what is taking place here. And it's so amazing that, uh, you know, some of the people around there saying, you know, they're asking, what is going on? What is this? And some of them say, well, they're drunk. You know, they're drunk with wine. Right. And can't really be because it's only nine o'clock in the morning. And that's what that's when Peter stands up and tells them and preaches this great sermon to all of those who are there for this Jewish holiday. Just just so we have even some background. It's interesting. Even back in verse one, it says when the day of Pentecost arrived, 
they were all together in one place. Now we're, we're talking about the apostles and there's other people that are around there. You said from these 16 different countries, uh, but of course, everybody's there in Jerusalem. This is one of the three pilgrimage feasts. So right. everybody's in Jerusalem and uh, this is coming 50 days after Passover. Um, and, and so they're all there, they're gathering and, they're also following uh, the words and instructions of Jesus. Wait, the helper will come. Right? This is what's happening in our context there in, in chapter one. And so they are there and you have this great utterance, this spirit that falls on them. And it also says that there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven. So, you know, the Jewish people, they're out there and, and spread out even then, but now they're coming back together to observe this feast called Shavuot right. or Pentecost. Right. And this is what was required of the Jewish people that on three separate occasions, they would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And this was one of them. And they are there at the temple site, ready to celebrate a feast. Do you think they uh, had an idea or any kind of an inkling uh, as to what was going to happen? No, I, no. But I, th I do think that there was a spirit of anticipation. They're, they're waiting, they're watching. And as we'll get into in a couple minutes, um, that there, there was a, a, a ceremonial, there was a part of this ancient Old Testament holiday of the Feast of Weeks that they were preparing to celebrate. When the thing that took place finally happened with the tongues of fire setting on them, everybody speaking their own language, they look around and it says that they were perplexed saying to each other, what does this mean? So, you know, obviously something was taking place that was out of the ordinary and unexpected. And they are wondering what in the world is going on here. Yeah. And so, so Peter is in the midst of all of this and he seems to have a better understanding of what's going on than everybody else in this moment. Yeah. And, and he's, he's giving a message. He starts with uh, quoting from the book of Joel, the prophet Joel in verse 22, he says, men of Israel, men of Israel, hear these words. And he's preaching the gospel, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It's pretty amazing. He's yeah, I mean, un that unpacking is. all of that. Yeah. And well, and it's amazing that Peter is standing up in the temple area in Jerusalem and, you know, proclaiming these things with boldness and with authority. And, you know, you ask the question, well, who is Peter to do that? I mean, he's he's a Galilean. He's one of these country guys from the sticks out there. And he is teaching, standing up and proclaiming with such authority who the Messiah is. And, you know, he, he goes down and gives a couple of examples. He, he gives that uh, quote and, uh, you know, he, uh, he does uh, another where uh, he quotes David again saying, I saw the Lord always before me for he's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. And, and he goes down and he says, brothers, Finally, in verse 29 of chapter 20 uh, or chapter two, it says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that 
he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day where peter was he could point to david's tomb and say david is with us still to this day because right. what he had just quoted in that psalm he says, for you will not abandon my soul to hell or to see your holy one, see corruption. He says, because David is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to hell, nor did his flesh see corruption. And so Peter says, this Jesus, this Yeshua, God raised up, and of that, we are all witnesses. And so he's, he's standing there amongst the Jewish people at the temple site for this Jewish holiday, and he is proclaiming the death and the resurrection of the Messiah according to the scriptures. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was just even thinking about the connection. A couple of episodes ago, we talked about the bones of Joseph and how the bones of Joseph remained there as a testimony that God would send a deliverer and bring them out. And then you have Peter standing there and he's pointing out <laughs> the very tomb, the bones of David. And he's saying, hey, I told you, God sent his son Jesus, the Messiah, and he would come, but he was not abandoned to Hades, uh, to hell, uh, but he has been resurrected and he's been raised up. And we're all witnesses of that, that there is this other great exodus that is taking place right there in that place. Yeah. Yeah. And so he says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing. In other words, he's saying, this is what you're seeing. You're, you're living in fulfilled prophecy here. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so Peter comes to the conclusion, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we're always tiptoeing around and being so careful about the words that we choose. And, and in a sense, we, we have to, because, you know, we, we said right in, in the beginning that, uh, you know, we have a pretty troubled past in, in church history, but Peter didn't have that troubled past as he was standing there at that uh, temple site event, it had just happened. Well, and, and you have you have generations that have taken place that have taken uh, these a couple passages right here from Acts two this Jesus whom you've crucified and it's been leveraged against the Jewish people in the form of anti-Semitism. It was the Jews who killed our Messiah. Well, he right. was their Messiah as well. And unfortunately, that those passages has been taken uh, to be used against the Jewish people over the years. Yeah, and, and so that that's what I was trying to say is the fact that Peter didn't have 2000 years of Jewish history that he had to wade through and be careful about the things that he said. He, there was a clear delineation between truth and speaking, not truth. And Peter just, I think, hit them between the eyes with that. And you can tell by their response, you know, as to what happened uh, next, because when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. 
yeah. you know, and you know, that, that idea there of being cut to the heart, the, the Greek, it, it kind of comes from the sense of being stabbed. And so, you know, it's something that was sudden and unexpected, uh, a grief and a remorse that just came over them, uh, just an intense spiritual conviction as they were cut to the heart or stabbed. And, uh, you know, they, they look to Peter and the rest of the apostles and say, brothers, what shall we do? Yeah. And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Messiah Yeshua, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is interesting because this is the time and the place of the Holy Spirit has fallen already uh, among the people who are there. And now they are going to be, they're going to be baptized, immersed in water, and also immersed in the Spirit. Yeah, uh, I, I think a lot of these people were kind of sitting around and watching what was taking place. Remember, it says some of them were mocking, saying that they were filled with new wine. Right. But, you know, these people were were watching. Some of them were watching because there, you know, are a pretty large number that were there. And, you know, they're they're now being told the gospel, really repent and believe and uh, and turn for your sins from your sins and you will receive forgiveness. And uh, and then he says something interesting. He says, for the promise is for you and for your children and that that would be the Jews. Right. And for all who are far off. Who are those people? That would be that would be the Gentiles. Yeah. He's introducing something, but they don't get it. it they, I don't even think Peter gets it <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. because we'll see as we travel down this Jewish road that. Uh, hey, I like you how know, you worked. You worked that in. That was good. Yeah. Well, Peter, Peter has to learn something himself in spite of the fact that he says for all those, it's for all those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. You know, that everyone includes the Jewish people, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile, to the Greek. Now, now some people might be listening to this and they're asking themselves a question like, so are you telling me that no Gentile up until this point in all of history has ever been saved? Is that, ah. is that, is that true? Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say no Gentile in history. I mean, uh, if, if you were going to look in the old Testament to, uh, the missionary to the Gentiles in the old Testament, that would be who that would be Jonah. Yeah. And he went to Nineveh and that whole city repented and turned and, uh, you know, one God of the largest, them. one of the largest salvations of Gentile nation in, in history, in the biblical history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, a, in a, in a generation, they turned around and went back to their heathen paganism. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at that point, so there, there were Gentiles who were saved. It was possible. Both in, know, in Act really, 1, in, in Act 1, though, and Act 2, right? You, Jesus is, is bringing salvation to Gentiles individually, but he also, I think we talked about this before. He, he says, I have come to go to the lost house of the sheep of Israel. That was the his sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah, that's what yeah. I said. Yeah. 
Can you hear me over there? You said the lost house of the sheep of Israel. Did I? We're going to yeah. have to go back. Yeah, I, I, okay. I'll, I'll have to just trust you there. But yes. Thank you for the, the gentle exhortation. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So, you know, it, it was possible Gentiles could get saved, but it really wasn't uh, the real focus at this point in time. Uh, even though Peter says it's for those who are far off for everybody whom the Lord God calls to himself. But I don't think he quite gets it. And we'll see how he doesn't quite get it when we get down the road a little bit. I said that Jewish road and we end up in Acts 10. Um, uh, you know, you should realize that Acts 10 is probably about 10 years after this event don't, here that we're looking at. No, don't give it all away yet. I'm just, not giving it all. That's all I'm hold, saying. Hold yourself back. Hold yourself back. It's it's just <laughs> constant at, discipline. Yeah. Well, look at what happens next, though. Uh, you know, Peter says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. What we have read here took about five minutes for Peter to get this sermon out, but it wasn't the whole thing because it says, you know, with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. I'd like to have some notes on what he said in between there, but it says that those who received his word, I would take it that wasn't everybody, but those who did were immersed, were baptized, and there were added that day, about 3,000 souls. And so I, I would ask, how many Gentiles were in that 3,000 souls? I don't think of one. None. No. I mean, these are those who are there for a Jewish feast, the pilgrimage, keeping a Jewish feast day. There are 3,000 saved, 3,000 added to the church, but they're all Jews. Right. You go back to verse five. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews. You go to verse 22, it says men of Israel hear these words. The people who were there that day at what is called the beginning of the church. Uh, these are Jewish people. This this is the Jewish roots of, of the church. Yeah. Now, can we uh, for a moment? Uh, I, I know you want to hit a couple things here, but can we can we jump back to Leviticus for a moment? Oh, OK. Or, or did All you right. want to just stay here for a bit? No, let's go ahead and jump if you want to jump. I want to jump real quick uh, because this this feast of Pentecost has uh, Old Testament roots. Um, and in Leviticus 23, uh, this is where this holiday is prescribed. And it says Leviticus 23, 15, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. That's the feast of the first fruits. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. So 49 plus one, then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. And you shall bring from your dwelling places, two loaves of bread to be waved made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. And you shall present the bread set with the bread, seven lambs, a year old without blemish and one bull from the herd and two rams. And they shall be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, and you shall offer one male goat. So we go through all of these different things. Interesting too, I read something uh, the other day that talked about, you know, really for, for 40 years, as the Israelites are coming through the wilderness, 
They're receiving the bread of heaven. God is offering them the bread of heaven. It's falling down and that's what they're taking. And when they enter into the land, God gives them the land and it's a miracle that even the the seed goes in and it comes up and they have a harvest. And now they are getting not the bread from heaven, but the bread from earth. And what does God want them to do? God says, this is still my land. This is my place. I want you to take that. And I want you to give that back to me. And so they wave that the priests would wave that the bread of the first fruits is a wave offering. And this is holy to the Lord. And they make a proclamation and you shall hold a holy convocation. Do no ordinary work. It's a statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to its edge. Uh, you shall not gather the gleanings. And we will actually get into that a little bit later. And we've actually talked about it a little bit in the past. And you were, you're talking in Leviticus 23 of that old Pentecost offering, right? Yes. The Feast of Weeks. And it's interesting that in that there are two loaves of leavened bread. It's the only offering that is ever prescribed in the scripture that has leaven in it. And I, I think that those two loaves, they're, it says they're the same weight each, two-tenth deals, one for the Jew and one for the Gentile. Hmm. And the, the fact that there's leaven in it is because there is leaven in the church, the only offering that has leaven in it. And so here it is, even prophetically, looking forward to that time where Israel is doing what they're doing in an agrarian culture, but it's looking forward to a time when this is going to be fulfilled amongst Jews and Gentiles, two loaves, leavened, same weight each. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. It's it's also interesting that this holiday that you get in Leviticus 23, it was primarily uh, an agricultural festival and it was celebrated uh, at the end of the barley harvest. And this is now the beginning of the wheat harvest. Uh, but very early in Jewish history, uh, there was a greater significance. And the rabbis, they look at this and they determine that the timing of the Feast of Shavuot coincided with this great event in Jewish history of God giving his Torah to Moses on Mount Sinai. So the Israelites, they leave Egypt on the 15th day of the first month. And it says the morning after the sacrifice of the Passover lamb, and they arrive at the foot of Mount Sinai on the first day of the third month, you get to Exodus chapter 19. That would have been approximately 40 days later. 40 days. Yeah. So Moses, he goes up to Sinai and he stays there for several days and he brings back the two tablets written on stone by the finger of God. And this total timeline closely approximates the 50 days after Passover that the feast of Shavuot or weeks was supposed to be held on. It's interesting that you have this lineup here and Passover is this Exodus related feast and Sukkot uh, was in the fall and the Jewish sages, they concurred that Shavuot must be Exodus related as well and was to celebrate this occasion, which God reveals himself to his people. And he makes a covenant with them by giving them written instructions on how to live. He says, I am going to give you the law on this day. So you go to Jewish people today and they're going to, if, if you talk to them about Shavuot, this feast of weeks, they're going to say, Oh, it's law day. Yeah. This is what they've been talking about for, for years. Now here's, here's the interesting thing. There are some really great uh, parallels. Can I just hit a couple of these for yeah, yeah, a minute here? 
All right, because I feel you, you have some spilkus over there. You want to get back to Acts chapter two? No, I'm I'm good. You're all right. Well, yeah, because you know, three thousand were saved, and we have the culmination of what took place in Acts two. So, how does that relate to what was taking place with the giving of the law? Yeah. So it's and it's interesting because the same day. Uh, that the Jewish people were celebrating God's giving of his Torah on tablets of stone. The Holy Spirit comes and he writes his Torah, his law on, on the hearts of the people. Um, and really this confirms this act two promise that was, was talked about in Jeremiah 31 in, in act one. But you look at these and there's some parallels. Like, let me, let me just throw a couple of these out there. When you say act one, you're talking about the first act of this two act play that we talk about. You do this every single time, but the people know. They know oh, by now. This is our 36th episode, by the way. I, I think they got it. They're, they're listening. Okay. okay. Ooh, well, thank ooh. you for, <laughs> for gently putting that point across. Hey, that, that's why we're, we're both here to gently rebuke one another. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a part right. of being Jewish. It is. We, we have to do it. All right. So here, here's a couple of similarities. Uh, number one, both events occur on a mountain. We have Mount Sinai and we have Mount Sion, known as the mountain of God. Uh, both events happen to a newly redeemed people. Okay, so the Exodus marks the birth of the Israelite nation, while in Pentecost, the events there recorded in Acts chapter 2 mark the birth of believers, the giving of the Spirit. Um, and in both of these uh, accounts, there is the people of God receiving a gift. One is the, the gift of the law or the Torah, and the other is the Spirit. Both events, uh, the gift was given by God and God settles on a mountain with the fire of his spirit. Uh, and they both took place at the same time on the same month. But here's, here's what I think is interesting, and this is what I'm pushing for. And there's a whole bunch more, but, um, and maybe I'll throw those into the show notes. But the Israelites, they left Egypt on Passover, and 40 days they arrive at Sinai. And then Moses, he goes up on a mountain, Mount Sinai. Ten days later, Moses comes down with the Torah, and the Israelites, they broke the covenant and 3,000 people died as a result. Right. Now, Jesus, he dies on Passover and 40 days later goes up onto a mountain to see God. He's going and he ascends from the Mount of Olives. And 10 days after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came down and 3,000 are not killed, but 3,000 people are saved. Yeah. God is like uh, the uh, perfect the perfect accountant balancing the books here. And it's interesting. I mean, you have all kinds of there. There's so many different aspects of this. Um, you you have uh, this these similar events of the sound and the symbols of the wind and the fire and the smoke and the voices. Um, you, you have all of these things. The fire at Sinai was was one fire that was visible by all, and you have the fire at Pentecost was individual fires on every person. So. It's it, you have a sense where when that happens, the letter kills 3000 die and the spirit gives life. That's right. I mean, that that really. No. Yeah. It outlines the whole thing. That's good. OK, so that wraps up Leviticus 23 just barely. I, there's so many things we can jump into. But if we were going to go back to Acts chapter two, uh, people are cut to the heart. Peter says, repent and be immersed, every one of you. And there's lots of other words that are going on, but you have 3,000 people there and it says that they received his word and they were baptized. They were immersed. Where are they going to do this? Yeah. Well, interestingly, a few years back, um, 
archaeologists uncovered near the southern steps of the temple a bunch of mikvah pools. And mikvah is an immersion pool. So the people, as they are entering into the temple, would have gone through a ritual immersion bath in these mikvot. Right. Well, and with all the all the pilgrimage feasts going through, right, you, you have to have high capacity for all of these to come through. Yeah. So the, there were a number of these uh, mikvah pools uncovered and we could see now where they would go in and they would be immersed this time for the repentance of sins. So they're going through and now this is really the birth of what we would call the early church and the people who are part of this movement right here in the very beginning. These are the Jewish people. They're all there. And this is 50 days after the Passover. Right. They they are there to keep a Jewish feast. And God, in his prof prophetic word, is now establishing the body of Messiah or what we know as the church. And all of those who are in it at this point are Jewish. Question is, uh, where do the Gentiles come in? So we've got uh, we've got to travel down the Jewish road a little bit more and uh, see where missions open up to the Gentiles. Yeah. Now we're going to just tease this out just for a second here. We're, we're not even going to get to that. We're, we're talking about that in Acts chapter 10. That's not even the next episode. And this day of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost is not even over yet. As we go through um, at our next podcast episode, there is the afternoon of the Pentecost, right? right so this we is, just went through the morning service. This is the morning. This is going to be an all day uh, celebration, an all day feast. And uh, there's more to come, uh, more preaching, more healing, and actually more salvation. And it's actually even bigger than what happens here in the morning. So that's it for this episode. Yes. Can we wrap it? That's, yeah, that's good. Let's do it. All right. So that is all that we have to share uh, we actually have a bunch more, but this is it. This is all. They say what? The, the mind can't handle more than the seat can endure. And that's not even for the audience. That's for us. Yes, <laughs> so, <laughs> so thanks yeah. for listening. Uh, we we uh, are thankful that you're here. Uh, feel free to get in touch with us at our email address is shalom at the Jewish road dot com. And you can get us at the website at the Jewish road com as well. We have all kinds of fun stuff and things coming up. So stay tuned and stay engaged. And until next time, we say Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Yes. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, especially today. Shalom.